Okay, here we go now. Well, welcome to Old Dog New Tech, the podcast that explores edtech ideas, innovations, and integration methods from the experienced old dog side of things. My name is Jeff West, and I've been a K-12 music educator for 27 years, and I am passionate about edtech. I love using it. So let's get started at taking a look at how this can be used in your classroom. Well, hello again. It's episode 40, a monumental step in the Old Dog New Tech podcast. This is Jeff West. I hope uh, your tech integration and education, if you're a teacher or if you're a student, everything's going great. It's February. January went zipping right by, although, wow, did it get cold, huh? Well, this episode, I'm going to spend some time uh, reflecting, talking about reflection, and uh, looking a little deeper into why. Why Why is this a big deal? What do we do? And what's the point? I think sometimes we get some ideas introduced into education, and they look good. But when you start to look at them and really think about them, what's the longevity? What's the What's the end result? What's their vision? What's the outcome that you're looking for? I think that's a challenge. I think that's a challenge in everything. Of course, when we sit down and we look at our curriculum, we look at our needs of our students, there's the outcomes, there's the needs. But is the method really going to help us get there? So let's get some uh, insight first on what why this word reflection keeps coming up so often and where it's been for me in my education career and where it is now. And I've got some ideas that I do in the classroom that I think transfer to any subject. I know I'm a music teacher, band director, but I think this idea, uh, excuse me, ideas, you can take and uh, use it as you need to to meet the needs of your students in your classroom or in your group. All right, we'll get going. So I started teaching. Oh, gosh, I started teaching. It's 28 years ago now. But I think I've been teaching for longer than that. just haven't been certified. I haven't had a job. I was going to college and high school. I always enjoyed teaching. I really enjoy uh, seeing how people learn and pulling folks together so that they learn and they learn from each other and they build that network. It's all a, a, a big process to me. It's That's been something that I have um, always looked into regardless of the situation I'm in. I'm obviously in music and in rehearsing. There's, that's a big part of rehearsing the band with all the different instruments and people. Or when I directed choirs or uh, helped, oh gosh, facilitate uh, church groups, particularly music, though, modern worship type of things, and uh, or traditional worship, didn't matter. And it always fascinates me how we can bring together a group of people with such diverse backgrounds and achieve a common goal. Now, of course, part of that is, is that everybody wants to achieve that goal. And they have that vision of what it's going to look like or, in the case of music, sound like. So that's always been something I have 
really focused on or strived for. It's a challenge, and I enjoy it. And um, so not only is it a job, but it's also kind of a, I wouldn't say a hobby, but I would say uh, uh, an outside interest. Fascinating to me. So I enjoy reading about those that have come before me that have been able to put these processes, processes in words. So let's look at one. Uh, particularly, I start out looking uh, today when I'm talking about reflection at um, an article from uh, georgetown.edu, edu, commons.georgetown. I'll put it in the show notes about Ignatian pedagogy. And uh, I should make a side note. I'm interested in pedagogy, obviously, with uh, young people, but also andragogy, which is more toward adult learning theory. And uh, as of late, I have really started to draw the parallels between the two. Since in high school, you are teaching and using pedagogy early, but you really have to transfer into the andragogical. Is that the right word? Andragogy. because juniors and seniors particularly, although freshmen and sophomores can too, start to become more interested in some of the principles um, that are in andragogy. And so those work better than, say, in pedagogy. Take a minute and you know, look up the difference between the two, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. There's a, a, lot of, a lot of parallels. There are clear differences, but there's parallels. So Ignatian pedagogy, uh, Georgetown, starts talking about... Uh, and outlines and gives some history. I'll let you read that if you'd like to take a look at that. That's great. But here from the article, it says the process operates through a cycle, which they have uh, a nice image in it in its simplest form. And for those of us that have been teaching, these next words I'm about to say are going to sound very familiar. So we start with content which then we incorporate the experience of the learner, be it a lack thereof or existing. Then between the content and experience, we reflect on how those work for us or for the goal in mind, then take it to action to actually start to realize a deeper understanding or demonstrate an understanding of what you're teaching or what you're learning. And let's face it, a lot of teaching now because of technology is starting to focus more on the facilitating of the learning and less of the teacher being the central delivering point, more of a facilitator to find the information. And then uh, there's evaluation of how the process went, and then it comes back around to context. So then you build upon that. So there's a a circle there, but two of the words, evaluation and reflection, are are really centered in on what I'm talking about here. But all the other words, though, you're reflecting always when you look at the context. I don't think it's possible for a human being to hear something and not reflect upon it. I think it's really difficult to have someone make a statement of, I really enjoy sailing. And the thoughts in your mind jump to either you like water, you don't like water, you don't like boats, you do like boats, sun, cold, hot, whatever, you know, the weather, the things that go along with it. And of course, there's limitations depending on your knowledge of sailing in this particular case. So you're going around this content, experience, reflection, action, evaluation. 
in your head. And this is a process uh, of teaching and learning, of getting content delivered and learned. So how do you know if this process has happened? And that's the where the reflection and the evaluation piece are so big. And where I feel in my teaching, I have not always been as strong as I could be. I've, I've done those things, but with technology, I'm able to do much more. And so I'm doing this podcast, uh, focusing on the, the why, the what, and the how of reflection. Because well, because I don't think I did it very well now that I know how I can do it uh, utilizing technology. And I, I'm hoping that maybe this hits home with you and maybe you're looking for a way to not only get your students to reflect and and decide if they're doing well and become more independent, but then you also can see what what you need to do next. It's a needs assessment. There's a There's a whole bunch of new data that comes out of a reflection. And there's some side skills, some other skills that develop that you can call attention to. You can say, as you're reflecting, listen to the differences and focus in on the respect for one another's differences in opinion and how to achieve things. Some people will uh, reflect and see their strengths and weaknesses and arrive at improving their strengths and sustaining their weaknesses in different ways. And that all comes out by just simply reflecting upon one simple thing. Again, to go back to, I like sailing. And I don't say that because I do like sailing. I don't mind it. Grip on a lake. I just don't do it all that much. I have friends that do. And I, I have to tell you, I really enjoy watching the passion when they talk about that, I think passion is a good thing. And when you start to reflect, you can pick up on those passions as well. So again, as I said, I could spin off into a bunch of different areas here about this. But why reflect? Well, I'm going to talk about that in the next segment. Why do reflection? Why is this so much more important than, say, having a great activity? Why is it so much more important than having a great assessment? Quote, unquote, great in both of those. Let's take a look at that. So why do we do reflecting on what, you know, what it is? I think we can find easier than maybe considering why it's so important. And then I'm going to get to the how. But starting with some basic kind of broad ideas that I take from an Edutopia article. Um, titled Bringing the Science of Learning into Classrooms. They have some just kind of basic uh, approaches, which kind of speaks to the how and why, and I think reflection is a big piece of this. So seize the opportunity. Most of the, most of the time that children spend in schools, they have a lot of opportunities. And as, as um, the research suggests, while well, we thought our brains stopped developing at a much earlier age, say in the single digits or elementary school, we found that it keeps developing in through our 20s. So taking that opportunity is a huge, uh, uh, <laughs> a huge opportunity is to, to uh, develop skills that we teachers know 
need to be done. And as an, an older, more experienced teacher, you know, you I've had the chance to watch kind of the transition of students and people in society as new technology and so forth comes in and affects that. But that that statement holds true. It doesn't matter what's happening. Seize the opportunity. Expect a, another one. Expect a vari- variability and embrace it. It's not going to be successful, I think. So what's the saying? We don't mature, the article says, on a precisely calibrated schedule. Students throughout the school age years arrive in classrooms representing a wide spectrum of cognitive, social, and emotional development. Not a big shocker there to most of us that are teaching. But yet, when we get overwhelmed with things like technology or new content or state standards or the standardized tests, I think we forget. I know I have. I know I've seen others forget. And then we review it and we go, yeah, of course you're going to see that. Sometimes we just accept it and then we move on as if it's just something we have to put up with and we can't utilize. And I think that's a mistake. You can utilize it. Integrate practices, number three. Integrate practices that explicitly address belonging and safety. So I was saying in the previous segment about when you reflect, you get opportunities to address other subjects, develop other skills, whether they're hard or soft skills, whatever label you want to put on them. You have the opportunity to address belonging and safety. When I am saying, okay, here's a recording of what we just played, let's address it, and someone says, well, that person over here is not playing well or not holding up their end of the bargain, and maybe they get angry, maybe they're insulting, belonging and safety. Bring them back to the center. Here's our goal. There's a book I read by uh, Dan Pink um, called When the Science of Perfect Timing. And um, some of the, he outlined some principles for developing the cohesion or this, or syncing a group of people. And one of them that I say a lot, I think there were four or five, but one that sticks and really I see my students' eyes shift and they get it is that we, do good, excuse me, we feel good when we're doing good. So we do good for the group. It makes us feel good. And also if we're doing that, then you know, in the case of my kids and rehearsing, we're playing well. We hear the value. We hear the improvement in our playing. But sometimes those personal bits get into our head of frustration with someone else who maybe just seems to not care as much or not be applying themselves. And so maybe they're forgetting they're more about that they feel good because they're not working as hard, let's say. But it doesn't help the group. So inevitably, it's a short-lived feel good. You might feel good by you know having that free time because you're not practicing. But when the group doesn't do well, then that kind of goes out the window for most people. So you always want your groups to do well. And that transfers. I don't care if it's a music group or an English class. You know, how many times did we have classes where we sat there and we knew who the strongest students were and who the weakest students were, and we placed our judgments on them? You reflect back about that. And I think as you do that, the process that you're using and to reflect back and the judgments that you're making, uh, 
ideas that maybe are coming out, you can transfer that to your classroom. Obviously, you're going to have to make it school appropriate. Obviously, you're going to have to address it so that it meets what your kids, where your kids are at. But why do we reflect? Because that's what we do. We do that all the time. That's what I've done for 27, 28 years as a teacher, 40 years in education. I count my student years because I was learning, but I was also teaching. I was running groups. I was a, a leader or a strong follower. And the thing that made these groups, every group I've ever taught or been a part of, strong was the capability of reflection and acting upon that and then reflecting again. That, that continuous cycle that we just spoke about in the Ignatian pedagogy, did I say that right? Looking at that cycle, that is where it's at. Not just that one specific cycle, not just itself, but have one, have a cycle, have an approach. Is it Addy? What's the approach for your developmental thinking methodology? And in all of the approaches, I don't care what you're looking at, and I know I'm not using the right words there, it's not developmental method, but it's a thought process, it's an idea, it's a, it's a group running uh, process cycle. In there is always reflection, so having that strong, so why do it? Because it's going to make your group stronger. And it's going to not just get your goals, but it's going to get the other skills so you can approach multiple areas. I know we say we can't multitask. That's what I hear. Multitasking is a myth, I, which I would kind of agree. I've tried to do two or three things at once and usually end up only doing one really well. The other two are, I usually have to go back and fix. But when we're teaching, the brain's capable of doing that. It can pick up on things, and we know it does. So reflecting strategies, getting to the how, also can answer the what. An article in Teach Thought lists pair-share, where you have your students together and they share with each other, sentence stem-based responses. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Layered text, tweeting, three, two, one, exit slips, write around, sketch, podcast, brainstorming, jigasu. Let me get this right. Jigsaw wing. I have not heard of that one or used it. Prezi, great presentation tool, creating, vlogging, video blog, a collage of pictures, words, word tree, and journaling. There's a bunch of ideas right there just in that article. What I like to do is use a Google form, let the kids listen and create and uh, adjudicate what they're doing, and put the data up on the screen. Share it with them somehow so they can see. Are you on the same page? Is it the same or different? And then you can approach your needs there, strengths and weaknesses. What's next? Using a Google form. Some would use a doc. You could totally use a doc and have them put their answers through a Google Doc or just write it down even you know, and have them share and facilitate a discussion. ClassKick is a great tool to keep track of how the discussion's going and who's sharing. If that's what your students need. 
but find what it is and utilize it. I think that was a mistake of mine with tech in that I didn't look hard enough into it once I had decided it was more work than I had time to do. And to be fair, there was a time when that was true. Tech only approached specific areas for me in the music content. But for English and math and so forth, you already have so much content. Deciding that you want to use tech is a, is a challenge. So do it in one area. Do it small. Take your time. Reflect. How did it go? If it didn't go well, then ask for some help. I'm sure there's plenty of people be glad to help out, work together. We know that as we work together and there's groups, the, the kids are learning and it gives it a different little twist for them, different feel. And maybe the same things that you've always said, said by someone else, all of a sudden makes sense. Drives me crazy. I when I bring a clinician in and they'll say some of the same things that need to be worked on and the kid's like, oh yeah, okay, let's do that. And they fix it. And I'm like, okay, we've been working on that for a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. It's just the way it is. Frustrates me, but I like it. I like that they learn. And I like that process of looking at it and reflecting then also taught me some aspects and they taught the kids some aspects about, okay, maybe their teacher knows what he's talking about. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't think we can take things like using an outside source for granted when we're reflecting. So that's why that's how, and that's the what I'll put the link to this teach thought article that has the 15 reflection strategies I'll put the link that has from the Georgetown that talks about the Ignatian pedagogy. These are all great things, and you can read through it and scan it and then reflect on how is this going to help you out. All right, and the last little section coming up, I'm going to go a little bit more into detail about my Google Forms activity and uh, see if maybe that's something that you can use. I'm going to try and simplify it as well because it's really not that hard. All right, on episode 40, we're talking about why, how, what is reflection in the classroom. Spent a lot of time on this and throughout this podcast, these episodes, which by the way, I'm on number 40. I think I'm up around 1,500 listens, maybe, maybe more like 1,300 listens. So thank you to those of you that are listening. I hope it's just uh, beneficial to you. So moving into the how and actually utilizing tech and uh, a few more concepts to consider. First, the benefits of reflection, the significance. It allows students to see the importance of their own learning process, the process of recognition. They can identify what they did well. Solutions and strategies. It provides students with the opportunities to come up with with solutions and strategies, that problem solving. Motivation, reflection provides students with motivation to learn. If they come up with it, then they own it. Analysis, the most important benefit of reflection in the classroom is for students to be able to know why they need to learn these concepts, theories, and ideas. This is a little closer with Andrew Goji that we adults 
like to have something we can use. We come in motivated because we want to learn. Students are somewhere in a gray area. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. At least that's my experience. Now, I'm taking all these words from an Edutopia, Edutopia um, article entitled Scaffolding Students, Student Reflections and Sample Questions. So they suggest finding out things about the student before learning, while learning, and then after learning with any type of surveying tool that you might use. I like Google Forms. I've been using it for a while. I like the way the data comes out, and then I can utilize it later, come back and review it. And they have made some updates to it. You can also take some of the charts then that you, when you collect your data, and there's a you know bar graph that you can take and put that in a slide presentation. Should that be what you want to do, if you think that would help? I think the freedom that technology provides us is something that I haven't really seen much in my career. Before 10 years ago, when this really started to develop, you were pretty much stuck with, uh, you know, maybe the word processor. You could type out an outline or a, a quiz or a test, or you wrote the questions on the board and the kids used their notebook paper and turned it in and you graded it in written form. And then wrote the grades down in the grade book. And then you wrote those grades down on a grade card. Or you turned in some sort of paper form to the office, which then they were transferred somehow. I'm having a hard time remembering those days. I do remember filling out the cardboard construction paper-like grade cards with letter grades. Writing it in. Typing it in. But now you can use there's all kinds of student information systems that will allow you to enter your grades. And now with Schoology, which is what my district's using, you can sync it. So when you do the assessment, it just goes right in there and they can see things so much quicker, even in real time, as you're changing the grade book. If a parent's checking a grade, they will know you're in there changing the grades, almost like they're sitting in the class with you as you're changing those grades. So once you get their kids, your kids before, during, and after, then you can involve them in the going forward, which we know helps them learn. So you want to go to forms.google.com and click and create a form. And there's so many different types of form questions available. Multiple choice, true and false, short answer, drop down, there's a linear scale, one to five, the most, how do you feel about what you learned today? Number one, I'm not really sure about any of it, to five, I got it and I could teach it. You could utilize that and then take your fives and put them with your three, twos, and ones in groups. Or you can just address the few that don't feel like they're quite understanding it, whatever you need to do. So with forms, but I also want to tell you about if you go to Google Docs and you go to add-ons and you click on that uh, and the menu is up above, I think it's the second or third one from the right of the list. It says add-ons. Sometimes it's under tools. And you can click get add-on and then look for doc to form. And what this add-on does is within the doc that you've already created, 
If you already have a quiz that's in a doc form, you can use DocToForm to basically cut and paste the questions you have into a form. Now, that's still going to need some editing, but you won't have to type out all the questions or the answers. And, and uh, the interface is pretty friendly to use, but sometimes, you know, it just depends on where you're at with technology and its use and your patience. Uh, it may be too difficult. So you may want to try, if you have your test in a PDF format, you might want to try having that, you know, uh, in a split screen on the left and then just cut and paste or type into the form on the right half of your computer screen. But Doc2Form is an add-on that will allow you to basically select text and it will uh, kind of guide you through and say you want this entered here and then click yes. And then it will say create the form, which it will automatically go to Google Forms and create a form for you. And when I've used this, I found that sometimes the answers get kind of placed together and so I have to do some editing or my question doesn't exactly meet the needs what I need right now. Then your students can access this not just on say a device but uh, Google Forms is really very good for mobile devices. It works very well. The interface and the, the changes up the operating systems and both Apple and um, uh, Android will be very user-friendly, and they'll be able to read the question and see the answers and navigate their way through that, and then you'll be able to put the results up on the screen. So I know there's SurveyMonkey. I know that that one article I referred to from TeachThought had Prezi in there. You can also do questioning in that way if you want to do more of a discussion instead of having it in the computer, have, it, have a verbal discussion about things. Once this can be the starting point, and I have found doing a verbal discussion, because I do that a lot, instead of getting a doc, uh, a form made and having them get out the tech, that discussing it has also built the relationship in my students that whether they like each other or not becomes way much further down the list, but that they're more focused on the goal at hand and they start to understand that everybody wants to play well and some of us can do it faster than others and all those types of things in the discussion for music so it might be the same thing in in your area how you foster that discussion and how you utilize your tech it's your choice good luck with this i think this is a very valuable and, and really important piece to have in the classroom and education. And I feel like uh, not just with teacher to student, but if teacher to teacher, administrator, district did a little more of this, uh, perhaps some of the barriers that we often run into would start to disappear or we'd overcome them quicker. I think, I think we forget about this. We think that once you get into the adult level of education that things are so much smoother, perhaps. Um, at least students probably do. I think adults know better. So, you know, teaching the reflection piece, then when your students get to be adults, they'll do it. And that will kind of pay it forward. All right, I hope you enjoyed episode 40. Don't forget uh, to check out, to check out rather, Google Forms and Doc2Form. 
and any type of uh, splitting your screens, you know, so with a PDF on one side, form on the other. Check out the articles in the show notes uh, if you're interested in uh, uh, Daniel Pink's book, When the Scientific uh, Science of Perfect Timing. There we go. You should definitely check that out. It's a great read. Excellent for those of us that are involved in teaching or working with groups. It's the end of episode 40. Thanks for listening. Leave me um, a review at iTunes or drop me an email, olddognewtech10, that's one zero, olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. Take care. This has been Old Dog New Tech with Jeff West. You can reach me at olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. That's olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. Send me an email or leave me a review on iTunes. And remember, when integrating tech into your classroom, don't try to be perfect. Just be patient.